Welcome to Writing the Wrong Way. This is a podcast for serious writers who want to develop their skills in artistry and stand out in a crowded industry by taking intelligent, creative risks. I'm your host, Jonathan Ball. I hold a PhD in literature. I'm the author of uh, numerous books, and I take a very analytical approach to art making, emphasizing both efficiency and experimentation. I have a new book coming out this year published by Coach House Books, which is my first book in five years and my first poetry book in seven years. It's called The National Gallery, and it contains a host of strange poems, including twisted elegies from my iPhone, uh, sonnets about Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I got poems for my children, uh, a poem that campaigns to make me the poet laureate of hell, and all sorts of uh, strange you know, experiments. And if you go to jonathanball.com slash newbook, so again, that's jonathanball.com slash newbook. Then you can read the nice things that people have to say uh, about the book. Uh, filmmaker Guy Madden has uh, some very nice things to say about it. it. Uh, Giller Prize finalist Gary Barwin, uh, who wrote Yiddish for Pirates, uh, has some nice things to say about it. Uh, author professors Natalie Capel uh, and Daniel Scott Tisdall have some nice things to say. Uh, what I'll say is that it's called the National Gallery because the book is about what value art has today in our public lives and in our private lives and why we should or maybe why we should not create art. Uh, as writers, I think we sometimes have, to, sometimes have to stop and ask the question, why write? Uh, so this book is my attempt to answer that question uh, by trying to turn what my poetry is inside out and do all sorts of things I've never done before in, in my poetry. So like I say, you can learn more about the National Gallery by going to jonathanball.com slash newbook. Uh, and there you'll see a form where you can enter your email address. And when you do that, I'll email you my favorite poem from the book. So this is a poem that is otherwise you know, not available uh, until you know, the book comes out. You'll get a sneak peek. And then when we get closer to the book coming out, I'll send you a bunch of information on how to order the book in a way that gives you access to all sorts of bonuses. I'm going to be giving away free books uh, and all sorts of you know, really you know, special uh, bonus material uh, for people who pre-order um, the National Gallery. Uh, so if you go to jonathanball.com slash new book and enter your email, I'll tell you more about the National Gallery when you do that. Uh, so now let's move on to the episode. I'm here with Mitchell Levy, and uh, uh, I want to talk to Mitchell today because uh, he runs a company. Uh, He's published, as you say, what was it, over 800 books in the last how many years? Uh, Yeah. um, So think about that. Yeah, started in 2005, (laughs) and and we'll start with between 2005 and 2017, I published over 800 books, and I was serving the wrong audience. And yeah. then uh, we published uh, a close to 40, in between 40 and 50 in, in 2018 and, and uh, having a gangbuster 2019. So can you talk a bit about that? And you know, how, when you say you were serving the right audience and you published that many books, like what precisely do you mean? Uh, what, what exactly is your uh, audience? What is your business? Uh, how, how do you work? So let me tell you who the audience is now, and then we could talk about how I got, how I got here. So today, my primary customer is the busy executive who's successful and has zero time. They recognize that either their first book or their next book would help them generate more revenue, more cash, more speaking, more consulting, more product sales, and they have no time. So what we do is we work with that person over a four-month period, and over that time frame, they will have spent about five hours and when we're done after four months, there'll be an Amazon best-selling author 
with a hardcover, a paperback, a PDF, obviously a Kindle, as well as we have a platform called AHA That that has over 800,000 users who will also share content from the book. So we press the short answer, we press the easy button for busy executives who want more success. So um, how did you get into this then, uh, as you say? Uh, how did you get into becoming? So you're effectively a publishing company, uh, in a, in a, but you also do this book packaging, uh, more or less. And you're also uh, constructing these books with the authors as well, correct? Yeah, so the we I started uh, as a traditional – traditional is probably not the word. I started as a hybrid publisher back in 2005. And so hybrid publishers, just as a definition, self-publishing, uh, you could go to CreateSpace or anywhere you want and self-publishing shit. It, it will cost you money to do that, and they just don't give a shit about your book. They just – whatever is there will go in. Okay, a traditional publisher – uh, you'll spend about a thousand hours writing your book and they'll spend a lot of time marketing your book over time. And what's happened today, though, in the first two or three weeks when a traditional publisher has a book and nothing happens, they'll just they'll cancel the rest of the marketing campaign. So as a hybrid publisher, what happens is we charge uh, some hybrids make money as part of it. So, so we make a little bit of profit and we have a much higher royalty percent and we distribute everywhere. So the short answer is for a traditional formatted book, uh, which is, uh, you know, to me, I like 25,000 words. I like 120 pages of my favorite style book. Uh, we now have a price point where we will distribute. We will we will basically copy edit content edit book layout publish and be able to run an Amazon bestseller campaign and deliver 100 copies of the book as a traditional publisher. That was largely what I did and I still have three publishing companies that do that so if somebody's looking for a publishing company we have a very simple model to make that happen and if you wanted hardcover in addition to paperback we can solve that problem and you write the book and we publish and we just do all that for you the what interesting transition happened to me is at the end of 2016 I ran a Kickstarter campaign and the Kickstarter hit 250% of goal and by the way, as a as a hint, if you want a Kickstarter, a crowdfunding campaign to be successful, what you want to do is take a product or service you offer in real life today and offer it at a discount. So hmm. I always thought my job, Jonathan, I always thought my job was to make it easier for authors to write. So at the end of 2016, I had a three-step process that somebody could write a book in eight hours onto the AHA That platform. And that's A-H-A-T-H-A-T.com. And what happened is 20 people paid us that once they wrote their book, we'd publish it. So let's fast forward to the end of 2017. I was asked to do a TED Talk. Uh, TED Talk was beautiful for those. Just Google Mitchell Levy TED Talk or Google being seen and being heard as a thought leader. Uh, for those that are on audio, you're missing the beautiful cover of my <laughs> book. It's called Being Seen and Being Heard as a Thought Leader. Um, and... That got me thinking about the world in a different way, but here's also something that happened. Of the 20 people who paid us money that once they wrote their book, which only took eight hours, originally only two of the 20 actually wrote their book. So what I did is I, so by the way, that offended me. I don't like taking money for things that, that uh, I don't actually provide a service for. So I went to five of the people who paid and I said, listen, if I charge you just our cost, would you mind if I ghost wrote a book for you? 
right? So I'll do typically what happens is we do a two hour interview, and from there I have a bunch of ghostwriters who write. First time out, I can't remember if I wrote or hired somebody to, to do it. Of the five people, one person said yes. So here's now what I say Of the 20 people who paid us, one year later, 17 people couldn't find eight hours in a 12 month period to do something that would be beneficial for them that they already paid for. Okay, <laughs> to make matters worse, so by the way, that offended me. To make matters worse, I went to my friends in the uh, internet marketing space, I went to my friends in the online learning space, and they both said the same thing. As soon as I say this, Jonathan, you're, it's gonna bother you, because it certainly bothered me. What they both said is, Mitchell, do you realize that three out of 20 is 15%, and a 15% utilization rate's fantastic? And that's when I realized I was serving the wrong audience, right? Because what I was always looking for is, is a predictable way that a asset called a book could help you as a business owner or as an entrepreneur or as an employee inside a company, how a book can be used. And I do all nonfiction. So we focus primarily on nonfiction. And the primary focus of our books are to encourage the author to have that incremental credibility so they get more speaking, more consulting, more product sales. And so I was always looking for the way to solve it. I always assumed that I was trying to help the author who was writing do a better job writing. And in 2018, what I, what I came to terms with is the best thing I could do is take away all the time that would be taken for writing and to have our ghostwriters and our team do that for them. That's that's sort of the transition of how that happened. So primarily, who you're serving is people who don't they're not necessarily writers, or maybe they're writers, but they don't uh, they don't want to sink the time into writing this particular book. Um, like they may be able to write, but they don't want to be writers. In other words, and you're uh, sort of hiring ghostwriters. Uh, you've got sort of a team, uh, and you're helping these uh, people who are experts in something or other. Uh, you know use a book in order to uh, produce a book in order to you know uh, more or less generate leads for business uh, is that correct uh, uh, absolutely it's <laughs> it's similar to writing a grant to get a uh, to get funded you've got to mm -hmm. have a document that says here's a grant proposal it follows these formats here's what happens so what we do is so i have a uh, i've created a writing school and have a number of graduates of the aha that writing school and what we do is I, I do a, and at the moment, the, I'll say the I, I always, I always get confused with the I and we stuff, but at the moment I'm doing the primary interviews. I can do a two hour interview with any expert and I will pull the genius out of their head. And that's what we do. And so once the genius is pulled out, then what my team does is pulls out the appropriate components. So maybe I should have defined what a book is because we've changed the concept of what a book. So I'm holding a book that's hardcover. It's 120 pages. On the inside, we now print, we print in color. So it's that much more powerful. So I'm actually gonna show a picture of hmm. a color picture on one side, a blog post, which is in this case, I think just a paragraph on the other. And then we also have 140 bite-sized quotes. Sure, so sure. what happens is, we're not producing an asset that takes, normally if you're gonna produce a 120 page book, it's gonna, if you're writing yourself, it'll take about 120 hours. It's about an hour a page. If you're doing it for a traditional publisher, it'll take you about a thousand hours because they're gonna keep having you go back and forth. 
what I'm doing is I do the two-hour interview. By the way, if you're an oral processor, it's a three-hour interview. So because we process the world orally, kinesthetically, and and uh, and and uh, visually, and so those that are oral, we take a three-hour interview. But the thing is, I'm pulling the genius from your head, and then we're creating the aha message, which, if you're visualizing this or hearing this or feeling this, we're also creating a couple so couple quarters of social media content. So we're making it easy for you as the writer to interact in your world. And, and by the way, if you're a writer and you have to write, you may also want to explore AHA That because you could then use a book on the AHA That platform to help market whatever books you create. Because the books on the AHA That platform have 140 bite-sized quotes. They could also include URLs that point back to uh, your YouTube channel or to your book for sale on Amazon or to, and then you fill in the blank. One of the things that I think is interesting about uh, your particular business and, and, and this, um, these sorts of books that you're doing is I, I find a weird disconnect that I see between say the, you know, entrepreneurial worlds where, you know, we have, you know, these business, uh, you know, to use your term, you know, the, the term thought leader, you have these experts, these thought leaders, these people in business who are uh, really fundamentally see books as important, significant uh, markers that they're going to use, that have value, and they're going to use to build businesses. And then you have in you know in more in my world, you know, in the literary world, we have you know people who have dedicated their lives to books who do not see them as fundamentally useful to create make money. <laughs> and I think it's an interesting disconnect. Uh, in a number of ways. And I, I'm wondering, uh, like, what do you, would you say to the author who doesn't think that they, who, who bemoans um, that books are bad business? Well, I, I, it still may be a bad <laughs> business, right? So here's, let's just step back and say life has changed, okay? Even if we just said, over the last decade. Because since the invention of the Bible, since the invention of the Gutenberg Press, books have been this significant vehicle that establishes credibility. And even as, as little as 11 years ago, but let's just say two decades ago, there were times in which a publisher would call somebody a thought leader, they would publish their book, they'd spend all this money in advertising, and the person would make money on book sales and other things. By the way, the other things were sometimes five to six times what book sales are. What's happened since is book publishing has become democratized, period. Anyone who wants to can write a piece of crap book or potentially a good book, and for your non-discerning audience, it is really hard sometimes to tell the difference. And so anyone who wants to can publish a book, i.e. more supply. Demand has not necessarily increased. Now, demand for audiobooks have increased because we have so little time. So a lot of people will listen to books. So, de But demand hasn't necessarily increased. As a matter of fact, it's potentially shrunk because we have more places to get information in addition to books. We now go to, in the past, if we wanted to learn something, we'd go to the Encyclopedia Britannica. Now, in the generation of 40 and below, you want to learn something, your first place to go is YouTube and you're looking for videos. Period. Right? You're not looking for a book anymore. So, 
now let's get back to you. What is a book good for? A book may not be the asset that you use to actually monetize from book sales itself. There are many exceptions to that. Uh, if you're teaching at universities, you spend a lot of time, you create a book that's used in a number of classrooms, that's an interesting way. If you're using a book, though, if you're in uh, today's social media-enabled world, what you're really using a book for, they call it the tripwire. You're using a book for the easy get in the door, get to know this person. Because if I want to help transform you as an individual to do something different, first thing I'm going to do, now listen to my words, I'm going to give you my book. I'm not going to sell you my book, right? I, I, I may make, you know, if I sell my book for 20, my paperbacks are 20 bucks, my hardcovers are $25. If I sell you my book for 20 bucks, but then you don't do anything about it, or if I give you my book and then upgrade you to a $200 course or upgrade you to a $1,000 course or maybe a couple thousand dollar uh, a coaching session or maybe a $10,000 mastermind, right? The, the book gets you in the door to get to know me. And if you know, like, and trust the person you're interacting with, then you're going to want to do more services with them. So for those people that love to write and you can't spell the word marketing, in general, the concept of making a money as a book writer is no, no longer very valid. What you need to do is find the people you write for who have figured out how to make money with their book and not necessarily book sales, but how they make money with their book by, and you fill in the blank, all the things that are relevant that a book can be used for. And so you could ghost write for people who have figured out how to do the marketing world Right, because that's at the end of the day, and there are some authors who have made money on book sales. A anything associated with any major brand, you have a book associated with it, ends up doing fairly well. You know, but that said, what's important is if if you you can't say that books are not helpful in terms of driving success for your career. What you want to say is how is that going to help me? Right? And that's the important thing. So if you're an entrepreneur, so let's say you're an entrepreneur and a writer, then what you have to say is the most important thing you could do as an entrepreneur. Uh, first, most important thing, sales and marketing. Okay, we'll, we'll include those as two things. You gotta sell, you gotta market. What else do you have to do? Well, you have to be a good project manager because once you get clients, you gotta make sure you get stuff done on time. Uh, what else do you need to do? Well, if you have a team, you get to manage your team. None of what I said there is you have to write. Now, if you're a ghostwriter for books or if you're a ghostwriter for grants, part of your job is part of the executional, part of the black box of what you do is to write. But if you're in any business today, writing is not sales, not, not marketing, not project management, not managing your team. So if you're running your own company, you know, if you decide to write, to me, that's a hobby. It so is it's okay to write as a hobby, but not as a not as a business that's going to help you drive more business. Well, and as you say, like if you if you want to take it to the business level, you have to include these other things. Like uh, you know, you could be writing some part of your day at time and doing other things at other parts of your time, but you can't just be, be writing anymore. I think that's a, that's a thing that um, people don't quite understand when they're moving in, in into say trying to make money off a book. Like once you're trying to make money on a book, uh, I mean, you're now you're in the world of trying to sell products. 
uh, rather than services. And as writers, I, I always say for writers, writers can sell products or services. It's better to sell products and harder to sell products. It's easier to sell services and worse to sell services uh, in a certain sense. You know, you've got, you, once you're sitting there and being paid to write, you know, so much per hour, well, you've only got so many hours, whereas you could sell, you know, 10,000 books in an hour, theoretically, but how hard is it to sell 10,000 books in an hour versus, you know, get somebody to pay you to write for an hour? So, yeah, you want to transition from one to the other, but of course you can't, um, you need a model like everything else. You know, you need a business model, you need a business plan. It's going to have to include, you know, sales, marketing, project management. Maybe you got to hire people to do things at a certain point. Either you're hiring other people to do sales and marketing for you or you're hiring other people to do the writing for you, as you say. And, and by the way, the hard part, it's really hard to get other people to sell for you. The, mm -hmm. the person who cares most about your success is you, right? I mean, you get people to help market for you, but for selling – and there are people you could hire who can actually close, but your ticket price has to be pretty high. But, but Johnny, here's another way to think about it. Let's say your job is – in as a writer is to help transform to move people from a to b whatever that is well the interesting part is at some period of time your job goes away because if you're successful or if the the world is moving in that direction you're it ha you're moving away your job once it's get mostly satisfied you don't have any more prospects right because they've moved from a to b so the question becomes where do you monetize uh, 20 years ago, you'd write a book. It'd be pretty big and thick. I've got I've got a book here. I'm holding up. It's a it's a hundred thousand words. It's 300 pages. Um, we we priced this one at 44.95. And although I've written some really nice royalty checks, this book is called How Reliable Is Your Product. I've wrote some really nice royalty checks for these authors, but they're closing six and seven figure consulting clients as a result of this. Right. So that's why they write the book. So if you want to transform, you know, maybe it's how about this? You want to teach people how to use Excel. OK, you could write a book on how to use Excel. But you it's so much better if you could give your book away and then say, by the way, to see tutorials, to see the training course, to see how this can be used for you. Join my training course because the book is twelve ninety five, nineteen ninety five. The training course is one ninety nine, one ninety seven, two ninety seven. So you, you can, you can, and by the way, the book, the training course is more flexible. You want to change stuff over time, add stuff to it. It's much more fluid than the book is. So you just want to think about what is it you want to accomplish and what are the different ways that you could both accomplish it and monetize at the same time? I get emailed questions a lot from writers along the, and I have answers along that same line because I, I, I a little while ago, I had somebody email me about, uh, a poetry book. This woman had, you know, written a poetry book. She published the book, uh, and she was. She had said to me, I, "You know, I don't know what to do with this book. I don't know how to sell copies of this book. Um, what can I do to to market this poetry book? <laughs> do you have any advice?" And I, I kind of contacted her and I said, "Look, you know, I, I my advice is for what it's worth is that I don't understand why you're trying to sell copies of your poetry book." Like, why aren't you, for example, just giving the book to people for free and, you know, trying to make money doing something else? Like, if, if, if you, I assume, like, your deep-seated desire to write that book clearly didn't come out of trying to make money selling books or you wouldn't have written a poetry book, 
right? Like, uh, you obviously had some other reason to write that. Let's say, you know, whatever. O- on some level, it's say you have a love of poetry. Well, why not just give your poetry book away and then teach people, like charge people to learn how to write poetry? Like it says, that's, it's that simple in some respects. Um, I mean, maybe you're not going to make millions of dollars doing that, but it, it, it is a better model in many ways than uh, the kind of traditional novel. Even if you were to sell a ridiculous amount of books, I mean, if you're working with traditional publishers, as you know, uh, I mean, the ro- I mean the royalties. Uh, I mean, I do work with traditional publishers, like uh, you know, I, but I don't. I, my business doesn't depend on books sales, um, so I don't mind right. you know a smaller percentage if you know the, the point of it is, as you say to get more people exposed to the book and to get some credibility and so on. Can I ask you a question, though, in terms of ghostwriters? So, again, a lot of my the people that I'm uh, that are going to be listening to this, they're going to be writers. You know, they're not necessarily going to uh, be intrigued by the notion of hiring a ghostwriter. I think that writers should still consider ghostwriters uh, in, under certain circumstances, personally, uh, because, uh, I mean, I don't use ghostwriters up the moment, but I'm not against the idea of using ghostwriters for certain things, particularly if you've got, you know, projects that you don't have time to complete, uh, but do matter to you. Um, you know, you see other authors, you know, you see authors like James Patterson, for example, he doesn't use ghostwriters, but he has these co-writers and he has a very, you know, a specific sort of method of using co-writers uh, and like sharing authorship and so on. I think that those sorts of models are interesting and worth exploring, especially for, you know, more experimentally minded people who want to do you know weird and different things, why not kind of investigate that more on the level of the you know, writing? Well, but 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 the other thing I think that I want to ask you about though it related to this is just um, um, well maybe I'll just ask you that question. Do you see like a use for ghostwriters for people who are writers? Oh yeah, of course. First, let me give you a URL to take a look at. Sure. Yeah, and I'll link these in the show notes uh, to this episode. Oh, that'd be great. So it's ahathat.com slash author. That's we actually have a three step writing process. So for anyone who's writing today, if you're writing your book, why don't you also complement it with an aha book? We will teach you, by the way, just by going through that, um, we're gonna show you how to write good social media content. So so that's a simple thing. Now, I think I think in the old days, I, I can imagine you could think about writers who sat back and ga- and dedicated five years of their life to doing research, and that's all they did, and they they end, end up laboriously writing up their content. I, I think what happens today, it is acceptable that you can do more than one thing, right? It is it is if I say to people. Hey, listen, I'm doing this one job over here, and then I have this other job over here, and but I have another job over there. People don't look at me and say, hey, you're crazy, because we get to do more than one thing. So here's what's fascinating. If you get paid to write today, well, keep writing. Maybe on the side, you want to explore another topic. You just don't have any inventory left over to sell to yourself. Because just so you know, it's if, if a hobby is something you do when you have time, right? So if you're getting paid to write, your inventory should be used for what you get paid for. And if you want to explore something else, there's no reason that you can't find other people. And that's what, we, you know, with our firm, that's what we do is we, we if, if you wanted to explore something else, we could actually write a book for you. Or you could find somebody else who's a, co, a co-writer, a, someone like you, who may actually write something for you that then you use not as the purpose to sell your book, 
But think of it as they're writing about you or for you or about a topic you're talking about, and you use it as a purpose to sell yourself, right? Whatever that is, right? And that's a different, that's basically the thing to be thinking about. Whether in, in the case of poetry, I, I won't, it, we've not been successful at doing poetry or cookbooks. That's not where we've been, because I haven't figured out how to attract the audience that gets people excited. But that's a great example. If you write a poetry book, give your book away and figure out how to create a course where you're teaching people how to do poetry or cooking or you fill in the blank, right? Um, if there's a way in which you can get a, a sponsor. So a lot of times what I'll do, if I know I'm speaking at an event, I'll be in front of a couple hundred or a couple thousand people. I'll see if I could say, hey, I'll go to a sponsor and say, listen, I'm going to be in front of this event. This is the characteristics of the audience I'm going after. How would you like to have a custom version of the book that we that I've written and I tell them the title of the book that then sits on the chair of everyone in the room? And that custom version could have a note from you on the inside. Well, that's an interesting way to sell. We're not, once again, we're not talking about selling books. We're talking about you've created value by your speaking in front of an audience and you're helping a sponsor get in front of that audience as well. So there are just many different ways to think about how do you monetize your ability to write as a writer? And and clearly having if, – if you have a friend who's a good writer and, and they have time and you don't, please use them, right? It's, it keeps the world going around because at some point in time you want the opposite to be true. Something I was thinking about the other day, I had a friend uh, say the thing to me that writers will sometimes say to each other and say, oh, I have a great idea for – you know, a, a mystery novel, but I don't really write mysteries. And, you know, one of these, maybe I should start a pseudonym and, you know, be a mystery writer. And I said, I said to them, like, well, why would you do that, though? Why wouldn't you, you know, you don't know enough about mysteries. Then you're doing two careers. Like, why don't you, if you really, you know, think you have something there, why don't you hire a ghostwriter and, like, your pseudonyms can, can be ghostwritten? And they kind of balked at the idea because, of course, they're an author. Um, you know, that, like, that's what, how they do things. And I mean, I understand like that idea of kind of balking at it, but on a certain level, I don't see, I don't think it makes sense. Like I think you, you know, you have like the constantly the, um, I mean, I, I think it's interesting. I think it would be, it would behoove a lot of writers to just kind of look at the business world and how uh, they've found ways to make uh, business models that are undergirded by writing work. Um, and it's uh, you know it's, it's very curious how disconnected uh, the literary world seems from uh, you know the world in which people use words to make money. <laughs> it's just kind of very oh, curious. No, no, you're absolutely no, no. It's a beautiful con it's a beautiful concept, and the reason for that is we had this thing called a publisher, and the publisher did all the business stuff. All the writers had to do was write. And the publisher did everything else. Uh, they don't exist anymore. I mean, they're there, but unless you're that super big brand, and even them, they a lot of times they'll do stuff on their own. So what you have to think about is you're an entrepreneur. If you're right, if you're a writer or author, or you're making you're making money by doing something, you're an entrepreneur. And if you gave advice to one of your entrepreneurial friends, so. A good example, your next door neighbor runs a lawn care company, right? Just think about or think about whoever your neighbor is and what they do as an entrepreneur and try to give them advice. 
on how they either get more business. What would you say, lawn care company? Well, knock on doors. Look at lawns which look bad and call them and see what happens. I mean, what do you do, right? So the advice you would give to others, now look back at yourself. What do I do to make money as a writer? What do I do to make money as an author? How do I do that? In, in a case of a mystery, run, feel free as a writer to run experiments, right, and see if it works. Experiments are a beautiful thing. And the point is, having it under a pseudonym is horrible because now you have to figure out how to market the pseudonym, right? And if you're having a hard time marketing yourself, now you have to market two things versus one. You know, you got to think about it, you as a human is a brand. My favorite Everyone example. Everyone who exists as an expert and is a brand. So how do you get your brand out there and what are you going to do to get more people to know about you? My favorite example of a pseudonym is uh, the author Ian Banks, uh, who wrote these literary novels, um, then started writing science fiction novels, and his publisher didn't want him wanted him to use a pseudonym for his science fiction. So he chose. So again, his name is Ian Banks. He chose the pseudonym Ian M. Banks, fooling nobody, uh, and, you know, but just satisfying the ridiculous you know demand to have a pseudonym, as if it, as if somehow. Again, really fundamentally mattered to you know to people who are fans of the guy. Uh, it, it, I think, I like what you said about experiments because I, I call this podcast writing the wrong way because my sort of core interest is in uh, experimenting and trying different sort of unusual things and kind of going against uh, you know the the grain of conventional wisdom to, and, and sort of just seeing, as you say, just you know trying out different things to see what works. I think a lot of times people come with this preconceived idea of what will and won't work. And sometimes, often based on nothing, or based on some way that things had operated in the past, which which no longer applies. Um, and I think especially publishing falls victim to that mentality. Uh, publishing and the music business both have fallen, you know, heavily victim to this mentality of uh, we have to sort of grasp these old ways of doing things that no longer work, um, as if they will somehow magically begin working again if we just, you know, grasp them tightly enough. Um, so it's a very kind of unusual attitude, and I think it's uh, responsible for a lot of, uh, you know, the problems that I see in the industries. Um, well, another sort of last kind of topic I just want to veer into is um, this issue of ghostwriting. So so as a person who hires ghostwriters, I mean, if I'm, uh, you know, somebody listening to this who is thinking, you know, maybe I should get into ghostwriting myself. Maybe that's one of the ways that I'll, you know, maybe try sustaining myself as a writer, uh, you know, and kind of experiment a little bit with my own skills. I mean, what what do you look for in a ghostwriter? And what would you, what advice would you give to uh, writers who are kind of thinking of becoming ghostwriters themselves? So uh, I'll give this under the caveat that we end up interviewing 100 people to hire 10 and we end up keeping two. And and probably the best thing to be thinking about is can a writer move from author to author and maintain the voice of the author they're talking about? Right, not their voice, but the author they're talking about, and the answer is in many cases no. I just reviewed this morning. I asked one of our ghostwriters if if she could write two articles for me, and God, they're horrible. They're stuff I would never say. I was trying to find stuff of value in there, and I couldn't. So, generally, not a bad ghostwriter, but not good at, in this case, writing an article for her boss. <laughs> right, so. 
the thing that's fascinating, and, and if you want to experiment, here's what I absolutely would recommend. Uh, this doesn't cost you anything. It's just a little bit of time. If, if you went to that website I gave you before, ahathat.com slash author, take a book in the public domain or take a book uh, of one of your friends who has written a book. Follow the three-step process and come up with, instead of 140 bite-sized quotes, come up with 40. Come up with 40 quotes that you pull out of somebody else's book and then share it to them and say, hey, listen, I, I looked at your book. I love your book. And, and by the way, you don't use the quotes as is because an aha message is not a, a direct quote from the book. It is the concept of the quote from the book. So go ahead and write 40 of those aha messages. And, and John, then let me at least read one or two of them for you so you get a feeling for it. And the benefit of doing that is you now go to somebody and say, hey, listen, by the way, you need social media content. Let me finish this aha book and now you have social media content and you get paid for it. If you do this three or four times and the person on the other side keeps saying to you, you know, you don't have the voice, you don't, you don't speak like I do, you kind of know that you either have to change or you're not, you're not a good ghostwriter, right? So for us, that's what we look for is when we ghostwrite a book for an author, I shoot for 80 to 90% good. We've had one author said it's 100% good. I let that go. When the next author said that, I said, no, no, that means you're not looking close enough. If we're at 50%, that means we made a mistake. So I want somewhere around 80%. I'm happy if if 80% of the content or 90% of the content is good as is. And and so it's worthy of an experiment. Take your friend's books that are out there. Create Even if it's just 20 or 40 aha messages, send it to them and ask them what they think. And by the way, it's a great way of breaking into the market and using a platform like what we have to, to be able to make incremental money. Hmm. Yeah, can you tell me a bit about these, let these me, aha let messages, me, as you say, and and the, these are also yeah, useful so, for social media marketing, you feel? Yeah, yeah. I've got two <laughs> books in my hand, and and what I'm thinking about is, is when you're a public speaker, or if you're a salesperson, by the way, everyone in life, if you've been paid for something, you're a salesperson, because you've been able to sell your service, right? So... Everyone's a salesperson, and the best thing you could do is not talk with a mouth that keeps spewing out stuff, but talk in a way that people remember you. So I've got two books. Um, I've got one, Being Seen and Being Heard as a Thought Leader. This is the one I did. I've got another one called Being a Catalyst for Success. That's by Bill Wallace. So what my consulting business is, I go into corporations. We help, we help take the people inside of companies be thought leaders. And having a book is, is one of the best first pieces. All right, so let me read to you aha number four from the book. There's 140 aha messages. An aha message is a standalone piece of content that gets the person on the, who's receiving it, whether you're reading it or listening to it or viewing it, to think about the world in a slightly different way. So last year I was, I was on 150 radio stations. I always get asked the question, Mitchell, what's a thought leader? Let me share with you my answer, and I'll say, hey, listen, aha number four from the book Being Seen and Being Heard as a Thought Leader helps answer that question. And what it says is good thought leaders are at the top of the mountain. Great thought leaders are at the bottom of the mountain helping others climb up. It's very much like a poetic form called an aphorism, those little shorts, you know, snippets. Um, yeah, well, I was going to say, Jonathan, you can't. So I'm, I'm actually showing it as well. You can't hear that without thinking to yourself, well, what have I done recently? So if I'm standing in front of an audience 
what I'm going to do is I'm going to have the aha message appear on the screen. I'm then going to take a funny pose and I'm going to say, oh, by the way, this is the time to do a selfie of me. So take a picture of me, share it on social. The person who shares the most, I'm going to give them a copy of my book. And then there are lines underneath the aha message. And I'm going to say, all right, turn to this page. Write down what you did today or yesterday or last week. Write down what you're going to be doing tomorrow to help others climb up the mountain. That's right? interesting. That the workbook one, aspect of it. Hmm. Yeah, that one aspect. So I'll give you one more because this is this one. This will change your life, right? Are you ready? This, you ready to have your life <laughs> changed? Of course, every so day. This is Bill Wallace. Bill runs a firm called Success North Dollars. He's been running it for 30 years. He's he's the most amazing servant leader I've ever met in my life. So it's so funny. His it's not aha number four. It's aha number three. Aha number three. Let me let me turn to it so I can read it perfectly. And and this is this is what Bill says, which is absolutely beautiful. So this is Bill Wallace being a catalyst for success. He says, "Living a good life is determined that by the smiles that appear on the faces of others every time they see you, and they keep that smile after you've gone." simple that's right? interesting so you're really taking like that aphoristic you know tweetable uh you know sort of small phrasing and you're kind of constructing books out of those i'm, I'm if, it's curious that i haven't seen more books constructed in that way now that i think about it uh, it's a nice it's a nice model because in the platform i'll have that Underneath each of those, in your case, aphorisms, I call Maha messages, but mm -hmm. underneath each one of those are the buttons for Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. It still says Google Plus, but we're going to get rid of that very soon and, <laughs> and replace it with something else. And underneath that, you just press the button and you share it. If you want to help build your social media following, you share content that's relevant. Well, we've got 47,000 pieces of content and the platform is free to use, free to share. And, and so what you're really doing, in my case, what I'm doing is I'm helping the author just demonstrate they're credible, demonstrate that they're an expert in their space. And, and, and that's, what, that's what we do. So if, if you're doing nonfiction writing at the end of the day, what is the goal of your book? If you say it's to make money on book sales, you're dreaming. So if you say it's to make money by and then fill in the blank, I just created a model which is the easiest way to, easiest and quickest way to get there. And by the way, also consumable by the person on the other side, right? Because if you hand somebody a book and and you know that aha number fifty five is perfect for them, you go, hey, you turn, you you hand them the book, you turn down the page, that's aha fifty five. You do your autograph right there, and say, by the way, I'm looking forward to seeing your response on fifty five. You're mm -hmm. awesome. Right? How much more personal can you possibly get? How much more memorable? Because, by the way, it's a book. They're going to put it on their desk. It's going to probably be on their desk for at least a decade, if not their entire life. That's what we do. That's what, as a writer, your job is to be able to take the elegance of what you've been able to craft and be able to position it in such a way that the audience who needs to see it can do that. And that's what, that's what your job is as a writer. Well, thanks very much for, for talking to me. I think uh, there's a lot uh, uh, in what you're saying and sort of how you're approaching, um, you know, books as sort of objects here uh, that I think even, you know, my audience members who are more, you know, interested in kind of esoteric creative things like, you know, 
poetry and you know short fiction and so on can can learn in terms of trying to market you know what it is that they do and um and you know their you know books but also the kind of larger as you say the larger thing they're trying to accomplish through their books um so thanks very much for talking to me uh, and again uh uh all the links that uh, Mitchell uh, has uh, mentioned and so on will be at the show notes. Uh, so if you go to writingtherongway.com, uh, you'll you know find notes for this episode and uh, all those links and everything. And uh, thanks very much for oh, talking to me again. Beautiful. Oh, Jonathan, my pleasure. And, and for those that want to reach out, in addition to the links that we have, just go to my uh, website, MitchellLevy360.com. M-I-T-C-H-E-L-L, last name L-E-V-Y, 360.com. And there you'll be able to connect me. You'll be a vi- you'll see a video of my customer testimonials, but you'll also be able to, to connect to me on the social media platform that's relevant for you. Uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Snap. So, so take a look at uh, MitchellLevy360.com. Connect to me the way that you want to interact or book my time if you think that it is worthwhile for us to communicate and help you bring your message to the next location great so thanks very much again uh, to mitchell and uh thanks for listening and keep writing the wrong way